Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Everybody, it's just after eight o'clock. You're listening to RadioLamont.com, and this is Midweek Motorsport. I'm John Hindorf, and for once, <laughs> I don't usually. Uh, I am in the UK, and just off to my right is Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick. Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. Am I? I can't hear myself. Is that good? Or bad? Ah, I can no barely mind. hear him as well now. There ah, you go. Hello. And uh, so we're at Hindorf Towers tonight for this show. Unusually. For the uh, the last few weeks, we're on uh, series eleven, episode thirty four, this week. And up in London is Tim Gray. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. Uh, lively, oh very lively. I know. Yes. I think I was a bit loud there as well. No, no, you were fine. That was. Are you sure? I'm quite happy with that. Tad more enthusiastic than we used to. I was very enthusiastic. And on the pack program tonight, Tim, we have what? We have all the usual features. Excellent. Uh, including uh, news, we have uh, our usual guests Nick Damon and Graham Goodwin, and probably Marshall Pruitt. I think we call those contributors now. They're not really guests, are That's they? True. Nick <laughs> used to be a guest. You nearly waited. Yes, yeah. I was. A g- I remember being a guest. The listener the nearly had someone else in entirely. Really? At the start they, of the who show. Who they nearly have? We have no idea. I'm convinced I was connected to you, because it was definitely your cough that I had. <laughs> it wasn't me! The, the, the codec was idle. We could have had what anything on her. You were sending back to me what I was sending to you. Ah. Yeah, well, you see, I wasn't. That was the scary because you weren't connected. Who knows? If you've had a random ISDN <laughs> call in the last five minutes, give us a call. Let us know. At Specutainment or at... Uh, Radio Le Mans, uh, we've got Nick Damon who's at RC Racing, Tim Gray who's at Tim underscore underscore Gray, and we are ready to kick off tonight's uh, midweek motorsport. Um, not very many apologies for absence tonight. More people telling us that they are ready to go and listening live, uh, including Miggins Motorsport. The rest of the world can hang. I'm busy. Yeah, that's good. Uh, listening live to midweek motorsport rewatch court of the day. Uh, great race, but still the best round was Spa of the WEC this season, says Mark Harrison. Alexander Orkin says, evening all at home with MWM as I saw kitchen after supper. Ah, I think it'll probably take about two hours to tidy this up. Very good. I see what you did there, Alexander. That's very good. Very good indeed. Um, good news. Got new job. Bad news. Can't go to petite. Good news. Now have Wednesday afternoons off, says Shane. Who is Morton Mounts? Shane. Do you know, and I wouldn't normally say that, 
But I think I'd rather you were going to go to Petite than to listen to us live, because you can always listen on the podcast. But missing Petite is bad. Well, that's true, but he was going to go. He was going to go. able to go to Petit Le Mans on the Wednesday? Oh, yes, that's a good point. You could come on the Wednesday where we're doing a live show. I believe there's some kind of practice session going on at the time. Uh, we might have to move that, actually, with Midweek Motorsport, not the um, practice session. Do you have that much control over Rims' timetable? Uh, to quote the Minions, uh, no. Looking forward to listening live up, up in London. Much cooler in Hyde Park than Quarter, says Jonathan Frank. Jonathan, thank you very much for your support this weekend. Uh, you broadcast a normal version of the show, says The Advantage. And can't believe another week has gone by. Just finished a sim racing session in Dirt Rally. Loved him as a WEC this weekend, says John Granger. So basically, we've got more people live than, than are apologising, including Jeremy Field. Uh, I'm here for a change until duty calls. At Specutainment or at Radio Le Mans. Shall we have the top story, Tim? Let's, let's do that. Latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Well, you've already introduced our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Hello. <laughs> Hang That's on. That's not the reaction w- I was expecting. Yay. No, because you, no, you have to say we're well, going to talk about our yes, first story. Formula right. One. Then I go, yay. Yeah, and I must have script up ten years. Come my on. top story is Formula One. Hey! Is it, is it by any chance from Sn- Singer Snore? It is from Singapore. Singer Snow. Sorry, I just he dropped off again. He then. did there. Even Nick says it was the most tedious race of the year. Well, clearly. I <laughs> got up early. That's the second Why? race. To watch the race. Started no well. Need. Started excitingly. Do you know what? Here's the thing. My little hopeful heart, right, oh. still hopes that I'm going to see some entertainment. And I did it when I was in Mexico. I got up early. I did it this last, this past week. I'd only, I'd only be in bed half an hour, it seemed. And I was back up again to watch it. And by the way, well done to Brian Till and to James Allen on the NBC coverage. I thought there were sparkling additions to the coverage. Uh, James adding a, a lot of insight uh, from the pit lane. Uh, and Brian just being brilliantly Brian he was absolutely superb on the American coverage with uh, David Obbs and Steve Matchett but really OMG the two most exciting things was the Lizard in FP3 and the oh, Marshall on the track on the I restart the Lizard. the Lizard was great yeah I'm very fond of a good monitor Lizard um, and the Marshall was just an example of uh, poor communications which happened a few times in Singapore Um what, you, what, what is the top story? What, is, there, is there a particular way you want to go with this one? Uh, who allegedly got into trouble with the authorities? Oh, I don't know. Tell me. Oh, oh, oh no. It was the guy from the top guy from Ferrari who spat out a piece of chewing gum and had to spend six hours in jail. Uh, uh, or if it be any. Ah, right. Because you can't... Yes, no, no literally... No, isn't chewing gum actually entirely banned in Singapore? Singapore has a ban on chewing gum. It wasn't chewing gum. Uh, it was litter uh, then. It was it litter. It was a cigarette butt, allegedly. Oh, was it? Okay, right. But the uh, Singapore authorities deny that this happened at all. No, because it Except didn't. for the fact that he did spend three hours in jail then. They say it didn't happen. Probably didn't happen. So why were Ferrari telling everybody he'd been locked up for three hours? Or six hours, or whatever it was. Indeed. Because they can. Mm. Singapore uh, 
great place to freeze them to press, of course. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. Do you know what? Actually, I don't think that's a bad story. I think what it says is, we don't care who you are, if you break our laws, you're going to get locked up. And flick a fag end mm. out onto the, onto the street... That's a cigarette butt for those of you in the States. Yeah, best, just in case you were to, uh, yeah. worrying. Mm. Uh, then you're going to get locked up. Well, it's it's. there's many people who should get locked up for things in an F1. That probably isn't one of them, but keep going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the most exciting thing that Ferrari did all weekend. Oh, I don't know. Managed to break, I thought it was quite impressive how they broke Sebastian's car of qualifying. Oh, well. Mm. Uh, could be right so, decent as I didn't see any of it... Oh, okay, you didn't right. miss apart, anything. Apart from the lizard. <laughs> um, the lizard was great. <laughs> Everybody because saw the that, lizard. That's appeared on social media. But what I would say, the interesting thing is, I actually watched the race on uh, on, on uh, digital catch-up. I catch watched up it live. Because I went to a reptile show. What a coincidence. How about that, eh? See, see? what you did there. Yeah. See what you did there. Bought a new snake. Did you? Nice. <laughs> you bought a new sneer. Yeah, we've got 11 now. We 11 sneers? We've got 11 uh, now. It's got out of hand. Is that just two standing straight up, got, or is it actually 11? It's got out of hand. We've got 11. <laughs> <laughs> you've got eight, you've got five, you've got three. Oh dear, there's been a bit of a call. <laughs> they've started eating each other. No, 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 they're all, they're, they're, they all had their own separate little... Gerbils. Box, little, yes, they have. It, it, it basically, when it's feeding day, it looks like some terrible accident at the Mouse Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, anyway, right. frozen ones or fresh yeah. ones? No, it's illegal. To set, you can't um, feed live animals. It's illegal in this country. So you... It's hard to buy frozen. Both frozen ones. So yeah. you buy frozen mice? Yes, my freezer is full of frozen mice. So much that my wife says she wants a second freezer, a small one, in the garage for mice and ice cream. Make sure you get the right thing. Uh, shall I have a Cornetto or a large frozen rat? It's going to lick either, really. <laughs> Oh! So do the snakes eat them frozen, or do you have to thaw them no, out? No, no, no. You have to thaw them out. You have to thaw them out. But there's all no, the snakes have all got their own microwaves. Different size. Different <laughs> how size. How does it take to thaw a frozen well, mouse? A different. It depends on the size you get from little tiny pinkies, which are small, like half of your big, to a full-on mouse, and they take a different amount of times. So you feed them, and then they, they, most of them will strike feed. This is an indication of how dull the Grand Prix was, isn't you, it? <laughs> you don't put them in the microwave, though. No, because that, that no. Well, cause warm them you, up, though. No, because it cooks them inside out, which is no good. Ah, uh, no, you still need them raw on the inside. They like them. No, no, no. It, it makes it like them it, rare. It makes them um, bloat, so you need to just naturally thaw out. So anyway, so, so Lewis Hamilton. So the Grand Prix was an absolute <laughs> stonker, so as you've obviously. Nico Rosberg, and he did very, very no, well. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are Mercedes Benz becoming the new McLaren? Being completely inept at tactics. They got a first and a third. Oh, yes, they did. But my goodness, they tried hard to throw both of those positions away. Now, bear in mind, I wasn't watching it in fast forward. I actually sat up and watched it. They tried so hard to give those positions up. Well, in fairness, um, Lewis threw away his third initially by outbreaking himself because he was having a moment. Uh, Lewis threw away any chance of a decent. Having one of those days. Lewis threw away any chance of a decent uh, finish by. Uh, not having quali- a good practice, qualifying, pra- uh, having uh, a bad practice. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, I think you know whatever you say about. I'll get onto the, the reaction afterwards, but just, um, yeah, Lewis made a mistake. Raikkonen drove very, very well all weekend, got past him, and then they threw a, uh, threw the dice because they had such a big gap to fall to the next person on because it wasn't fatal as it should have been because he started at the back. That they actually just put put Lewis in on some fresh tyres and softy tyres and uh, said, "Go have a go for it." And unfortunately, Ferrari then reacted to it, which they shouldn't have done. Um, and put Raikkonen behind him again. 
Uh, and then everyone else reacted, and um, because uh, when Ricardo took on some softer tyres, he actually managed to get within a pit stop of Rosberg, and they just managed to stop him in time having that pit stop because he'd lost the lead. That happened, but uh, well, they took too long. They took two laps too long. They could have got him in and out, and then they, they, thought, about they thought about it too long. Exactly. But it's, this is this is pretty much happened last year because they're not under pressure. They just take too long and in, in the end of the day yeah, the, 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 the only compromise that would have happened was it would have yeah, would have been bad news for his championship chances it's not going to affect the fact they're going to win the driver's championship it's not going to affect the chance that they're going to win the constructor championship my little hopeful heart keeps thinking that all of these experts in the Formula 1 paddock um, and via mostly by the via the BBC One website that keep telling me that Ferrari are getting closer and Red Bull no, getting closer uh, my little hopeful heart says yes though and, and says possibly that might happen no and I'm just, I just keep getting... How so many t- races have Mercedes not won this year? I can't remember. Just the one. Uh, and why was that? Uh, because they ran into each other. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, it was. It was. You know, this time, you know, at least at least Lewis made it interesting by having an off weekend. And, and a couple of times we've seen um, Nico have an off weekend as well. So they've, they've let some people get seconds. Well, do, you not think, do you not think it's actually a good job that... Nobody else is anywhere near Mercedes-Benz because they actually haven't done that good a job with a package They've and two drivers. So this this year. I thought they were worse last year, actually. Did you? Yeah, but, but I think again, it's this thing. It's, it's it's where is that extra level of push? You know, where does it come from? If you're not being challenged, it's like you, know, you are literally being an arrow Benny and sitting on the on the pit bull with a cigarette, cigarette uh, rather than actually concentrating on what you're doing. And uh, or you sit down, and I think I think you know. The actual battle is it's now swung back in Rosberg's favour by a few points, and and it's great. On Monday, there was this kind of hysterical thing saying Lewis Hamilton has had a terrible time since the summer break. He went holiday, he went partying, and when he shouldn't have done. I was thinking, hang on, there's been three races. Race one, he started 137th because that was how many penalty points, and got through to third in a good race. In Italy, he out-qualified Rosberg by half a second at Monza, and then had a bad clutch bite that the team didn't say his point, and got through the second place. And he's had a bad race. So what you're founding... Hang on, and got to third. Yeah, and so what you're founding your he's had a nightmare on was he's had one bad race at a track which he's not... Two seconds and a third. At a track where the fact that he lost set-up time because they they had nothing to work base. The thing to remember is he lost set-up time at a track they had no baseline because last year's disaster. Mm. So, but, but why did the why but, did the mess about with look Mercedes Benz did more laps in the off season on medium tyres than most people did on every tyre put together. Mm. Why didn't they just why did they mess about and why didn't they just leave them on the mediums? Because the mediums weren't available. It was soft, super soft, and ultra oh, soft. Okay, fine. Um, but no, I mean it's it's, a, it's yeah. I don't know. I think I think we, we there is a, a big problem when it gets this. Obvious people are, are searching for stories. I think what is is interesting, and I, and I think people kind of expect Lewis to romp to the championship, mm-hmm. like Fettel disposed of Mark Webber. But there's no denying that Nico Rosberg is a far better driver than Mark Webber, far better Formula One driver than Mark Webber. Well, and there's no denying that Nico's getting the same equipment, whereas Ooh. I don't think that's the <laughs> yeah. case possible oh. with can with we add can we add allegedly. No. All right. You're probably <laughs> right. Uh, there, there, there is no... Well, fa- listen, is we've no, said on this there's program... There's no favoured son, and, and Fettel was very much the favoured son. We, we've said on this program in the past that Nico is far from the journeyman driver <laughs> that many... And, and, I, and I put my hand up straight away, and I thought Nico was the journeyman driver. I think he turned the corner from that a couple of seasons no, ago. No, long term. I think, I think that the, the performance that Nico is putting in now 
kind of gives indication that actually Schumacher wasn't as bad as his comeback as we thought. Because he couldn't beat Rosberg in those three years he came back, you know, and because Rosberg was better than we thought he was, not because Schumacher was... I mean, Schumacher was off, off his, his peak, obviously, but he wasn't as far off as he thought he was. And Rosberg, who has good weekends and bad weekends, he isn't the greatest racer, I don't think, and I think that might catch him out next year, but he's got a golden chance with the fastest car to leave in the front and get the starts right of, of picking up the World Championship. If next year there are three cars that are... three teams that are actually competitive and you've got to overtake people, then you're back to thinking, well, of the two Mercedes, it's going to be Hamilton. But Hamilton needs to find his, but needs ne- to find his motivation in, again. I agree... But Nico and, to a certain extent, Lewis have been flattered by the fact that even when they have made mistakes, there's been nobody there to sweep up the pieces. I'm not saying that necessarily happened this weekend, but we've seen in the past where no, Nico's gone off track or they've made a bad... No, I mean, they, and they the amount both, of bad they, decisions they, that Mercedes made this year. You know, the point about it is they've had bad starts and mostly Lewis, there were a couple of bad starts for Nico as well, and they've always managed to fight through to second because mm. no one else can can, can, can stop them. Yeah, they, they, And, you know, we've, we've got four or five races to go now, and, and they're preparing a double breakdown that, that one of them will win both of them. It's currently, Lewis needs to win two more than, than Rosberg. Are you surprised that of the two Ferrari drivers, Raikkonen, Despite the fact that Vettel drove up through the field, I thought Reitman had a really good race at the weekend. He wasn't helped by his team. No, he wasn't. He could. He, he should have been I think, third. I think what's happening. He right. should have been third. Raikkonen is um, irritating, but he's also very pragmatic, and that's his, his point. He just said, "Right, I am being paid a large amount of money. I'm just going to get on and do it to be as a good as good a number two as possible." And oh look, I appears to be good enough to make Sebastian look a bit silly. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think you know what, the one thing he is doing—he's vindicating what, the decision by Ferrari to keep him on for another year, which I didn't think was a particularly good idea. But he's vindicating yeah, fair that because that if you look at the person who's most likely to replace him, Roman Grosjean, he's having a bit of a crisis of confidence at Haas at the moment. Um, and Fettel is still really trying to establish what on earth's happening. I think Fettel is having a bit, a bit of kind of a existential problem. Thinking, well, this, this, it's not working this year. Next year, we've got a complete revision of changes, and we're starting it with, a, with a, we're trying to design a ground-up new car with a dysfunctional team. Yeah, we, if you're going to bet on who's going to have the best car in a, in a new set of aerodynamic regulations, you're going to bet on Red Bull. If you're going to say, well, there's still going to be a great engine and some and some clever stuff on the Mercedes, you say Mercedes, but what what are your tick points of Ferrari at the moment with their current organisation? That's, that's a very good point. No, but everybody knows McLaren's going to have the best car next year because Honda will finally get it right and Alonso will romp to the championship winning every round. I think they'll be better. I think, you know, it might... It, from, that's why he's staying. From this far out... And that's we, why he's staying. One of our few predictions we got right was the engines. We got the engines right. We said someone would get it so right, we get so we get it wrong. And we, and we also said they're going to get it right, in, fa- in fairness mm-hmm. to, to me. Um, but... That's true. I think, saying, where, where are we now? 22nd of September. I think we're going to have a fight next year for the win between... Uh, Red Bull and McLaren, sorry, Red Bull and Mercedes, and McLaren and Ferrari will be fighting over the next best. Mm. That's what I think, because it's a combination of money and organisation, and that's what I see. I think in the bottom of the ninth innings, yep. which which it will be next year, obviously, as we've gone to the race for the chase for the cup for the yep. F1 thing, as a, it will be next year, a, yep. <laughs> it, it will be two drivers that we've never heard of, but who have really, really big social media accounts. Oh, well, that's and, and it'll be done on a and it'll be done on a view of vote as to who can dance best because it'll I all think, be very American. I think that's two years away. I oh, do think I, so? Yeah, I think they need to get, they needed to get in. Uh, so you think you can race? Obviously, <laughs> one of the TV shows. Yes. Um, you know, and then and then America's uh, got races. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah. And don't forget, you know, to replace the bachelor, it's the racer. Yes. And you get to choose. All the teams are suitors. Does that mean there'll be a girl's version called eliminated. the racerette? Exactly. And they get eliminated in oil ceremony at the oh, end very of each good. one. Very good. Yeah. Not applying any stereotypes there to the new American owners. Oh, no. Shocking. Although apparently they did say, how do we get that seventh game seventh game moment? In When we have 21 events. Yeah. Well, the basically, you get, should get it three times, shouldn't you? Yeah. And get the 7th, the 14th, exactly. 21st. Let's keep um, in mind that they are only 35% owners. Yeah, yeah, but they've got all... The, they're, the, they're the most important 35%. Yes. Like, like the people who put the money in. Yeah. The and what's the golden rule? How much money have they actually put in? Not ah, much, amount, about well. seven... It's quite a small amount, isn't it? Seven, 70 stupid billion. No, it's not. It's, it's like something... I've read it today, I've forgotten. 11 it. pence. Remind me, Tim, but it's not as much as you think. Four shillings and tuppence. Not as much as you think. It's less than two billion. Ah, well, between friends. Which apparently they found in the back of the sofa. Yeah. It's a blooming big sofa. But anyway, so the Grand Prix, unfortunately, and I, I kind of... And actually, they haven't really put that money in. They've just used it <laughs> to buy a few shares off of uh, Bernie Eccleston and the Bambi. So you mean Trust. from when you said off of there? You obviously mean from, <laughs> didn't you? No. Please don't you slip into this Americana. Mm. There's no Is such thing like as American Carter? English. Yes, exactly. Except with more Zs and, and worse grammar. It's a Jim Carter. It's uh, Ken Block, isn't it? With more Zs. Well, possibly. Um... Yes, yeah, so the Grand Prix itself um, was not good. Uh, who owns Sauber? Oh, some investment company, which is, I've forgotten their name, Kingthorne or something, and they're... Um, really? I, I think I'm just taking that with your bond with them. <laughs> no. I is forgot. that where my money's gone? Oh, my goodness. They're, they're I don't know why, but to me, it's got something to do with archery. Am I right? It doesn't matter what they're called. Effectively, yeah. who are they? They're Marcus Erickson's mess mates and backers. So, uh, is Marcus Eriksson uh, going to be staying with Sauber next year? My guess is yes. Is he talking to Williams? No, because there's no point because Lance Stroll has signed for them today, apparently. He is talking to Williams. Yeah, what about? About driving test there next year. Really? When Lance Stroll's got $35 million? Well, he could just be the test driver. He's, he's got, got his own week. team next. Lance has got $35 million, John. Ah. <laughs> uh, what's happened to Philippe Nazir? Is Marcus Ericsson talking up. to Renault? Yes. No. Yes is a correct answer, John. Yes. Is Marcus, Marcus Ericsson talking to Force India? Yes. 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 Uh, is Marcus Ericsson, is he talking yes. to his mother? The only people he's not talking to is us. I'm sure he he could talk nice, to us. Nice we, haven't, we haven't approached him. Have we not? Oh, okay. I'm sure he'd talk to us if, uh, if he wanted him to talk to us. Is Marcus Ericsson in talks with several teams? Yeah, I don't know why. He, in fairness to Marcus, actually, he's done a lot better this year. He's actually not looked... He stopped looking out of his depth and start looking in his depth. That makes sense. What, it's like he's standing on his tiptoes? Well, the only person looking out of depth at the moment... Rather than doggy puddle. The only person looking silly at the moment is Espan Gutierrez. It's even funny about Espan Gutierrez. Whenever you accuse him of, of looking out of his depth or looking silly, he gets upset and has a bit of a cry behind the bike sheds. So, you mustn't talk nasty to me. He had a go when uh, Hamilton gave him the fingers, didn't he? And he had a go because Toto Wolff said he was like daydreaming across the track, and he's, he's just literally wombling around at the moment, and he gets upset the whole time. Is he underground, overground? He is, and he's oh. also quite free. So Lance Stroll is going to Williams, probably with Terry <coughs> Bottas. That would make a lot of sense right. because Bottas, whilst he had, had no luck this year, um, is a good driver. And if Lance Stroll brings thirty-five million dollars, they can afford to actually have a decent driver in the car. And Force India have already signed Nico Hulkenberg. 
Yeah, and, and, really? and Sergio Perez, because there's nowhere else for him to well, go. Sergio Perez is probably going to stay. I'm not quite sure why there's... Will they, won't they think about Sergio Perez has come up? Because like, the only choice of a slightly better option, theoretically, would be Renault. But there's no sign that actually actually better. And we know that Alonso and um, Stiffy Van Dorn, yeah. Stiffy Van Dormer mm. is going to be at Honda. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no vacancies at the moment, and next year there may be some nice vacancies. So it's very rare you go to a new team in a one-year contract. So if you think you're quite good, and you think you, yeah, you can you, having another year with with Force India, you seem to be able to run at the front of the midfield and see what your options are next year. But it's, it's obviously he's been told to talk himself up. Mm. Who's not buying McLaren? Apple. Apple. Why did we think they might be? Because of some ridiculous rumour. No, no. Nobody nobody in their right mind actually thought they were. It was just a clickbait headline. In the okay. Financial Times? Yes. Absolutely. Like because on, on, nobody, on an inside page of the Financial Times where... Because, because nobody actually bothered to, to go... However, nobody nobody no, actually did no. any journalism and actually bothered to go and ring McLaren and ask them. No, because it might be Apple are talking to McLaren because they have some very advanced composite knowledge in their road cars. Mm. Just because you're talking to McLaren doesn't mean you're going to buy McLaren F1. Anybody who knows anything... How Also, how about you might want some control electronics yeah. from McLaren? Yep. Who do the control electronics for NASCAR and F1? And everybody. And if you're going to run an electric... And for the Honda NSX Hybrid. Exactly. And if you're going to run a... If you want to produce a car that's going to be electrically powered and therefore needs control electronics, I'd have a chat with McLaren. Mm. I'd have a chat with everybody. Um, yeah. So, it's, it's, it's good news. It's a good story, though, isn't it? It's a, it's a decent headline. But the reason is... What you've got to think about it, is, John, is that there's a, a really interesting... What didn't happen when cigarette advertising was banned? All the other FMCGs, fast-moving consumer goods, didn't fill the void. Everybody thought we'd have a Coca-Cola car, we'd have a Microsoft car, we'd have an Apple car. Mm -hmm. Never happened. And there's a kind of a struggle to understand why that is. And this is why whenever you see one of these major tech industries come around, they think, oh, great, now we're going to finally get investment in F1 by one of these major companies. But obviously at the moment, they all seem to be a little bit more focused on Formula E for some unknown reason it's a little more zeitgeisty but that's why and I think I think you accuse me of using words with too many Z's in them mm. what's with zeitgeisty zeitgeisty it's got one Z in it the only, pe- the only reason that people are going to Formula E is because they get the chance to to what it's cheap yeah exactly they get the chance to do something that's cheap Absolutely. cheap and has kind of cred Outside of, outside of motorsport, uh, yeah. But so, so that's why the, sure it gets a pick up. And, and I think I think one of the things, if you, one of the things, you, well, one of the great things about the Singapore race is seeing the cars under the lights in Asia. Yes, agreed. But you know, every year it shows up how many people are sponsored by themselves. Yeah, Haas haven't got a single sponsor apart from Haas. McLaren don't really. McLaren have got Shandon, the white wine company, and Johnny Walker, who part of the same group and that sort of thing, and Mobile One. So they're doing a little bit better because they got they haven't got, haven't had, they haven't had a title sponsor since West went. Oh, sorry, since, sorry, since Vodafone went. Sorry. Mm. That's the point, problem, and that's why the takeover same. Without the Honda money, McLaren wouldn't be able to exist, would they? They would, but they'd be running behind Force India. Mm. Oh, hang on, they are. Um, but they, um, 
No, but that's why the, the takeover is so important, because it's starting to be a, a, an industry that's trying to support itself from its revenues and not from so much from sponsorship. So they're looking, that's why they wanted to get the, the money up from, from Liberty, so they actually can do... And that's the other reason people want to get involved in Formula E, because there's a franchise system, and they think it might be worth something later on when they sell it. Mm. Well, it was worth uh, something to Yarno truly. A couple of million, apparently. Yeah. Did he ever actually enter any races? I only ever saw him breaking down the start line or not going anywhere. Well, that's anywhere. because they used gearboxes where they didn't need to. There was a... Uh, and, hang on, wasn't his car illegal for the first two races? He tried to well, clever last year and it was illegal and he didn't bother after that. The the <laughs> first round of last season in China, it uh, never got out of uh, customs in the uh, port of Shanghai. <laughs> Or Beijing, well, whichever. that's happened to all of us, let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's like customs for weeks. Um... I've just had my flight cancelled to Shanghai, so apparently it is an operational delisting of the flight. That means no one else was on it. That's it, it was me, me and Darren Turner and nobody else. So I think got to go the day before. Was that because everyone heard that you and Darren Turner are on the flight? (laughs) Actually, it was was me and Nick Tandy last year that um, uh, had... Uh, an interesting I can't flight. believe that a flight to China isn't that the place that everyone's going to China aren't they yeah, there's so many flights to China uh, you know what you should do you should go on a slow boat to China you should fly to Hong Kong and then just drive it's, a, it's an island isn't it I think it's quite a long way from there's Hong a ferry Kong to Nick. Shanghai I don't know I've never been there it's like Macau I haven't been there either if everyone wants to take me to either Macau or Hong Kong I'm happy to go I'd I went to Macau to last Macau. year but I flew to Hong Kong it's only 45 minutes on the hydrofoil on the hydrofoil yeah oh. I'd love to go to Macau that's one I've got to tick off yet is, is it back on again after the problems they had oh it's, oh, it's never off it's just <laughs> lost its original promoter alright oh, but, but no, when we did, no when we did the story four or five uh, weeks ago we, yeah but we did the story five weeks ago they hadn't ordered all the stuff they needed in time and well, they, they still hadn't barriers they still haven't appointed a courier company or freight company. I, so I need you back to below seven. There are no <laughs> cars uh, currently being transported to Macau as they probably should be by now. Should be there by now, shouldn't they? Really? Yeah. Uh, I think they usually depart Europe uh, first week of October. So anyway, plenty of time to. Is that the Formula One news done? Now that no. we've talked about snakes. Oh, more stuff. hooray! Right. Uh, more hooray! Yes. Who's going to buy Silverstone? Oh well, Jonathan Matt. Palmer. Who's you should you should. We're you, paying him too much. Clearly, you've refra- you phrased that entirely wrongly. Mm. Should we? Who's going to improve the toilets at Silverstone? Yes. Who's going to make the grass all one colour yeah. and paint the curbs and really, really enforce track limits? Mm-hmm. Dr. Jonathan Palmer. Not our Jonathan Palmer, though. But you know what he's doing? What? He's flogging um, everything. Bedford Motorhome for housing. Oh, what the whole of Bedford? The Bedford whole of Bedford. Drum. Really? He's, yeah. tr- he's flogging the Palmetrol? He's putting the Palmetrol up for sale. No. For housing, apparently. That's, uh, and that's, gonna, that's where he's getting the money to buy Silverstone. And then is he going to flog all the excess land off round Silverstone for well, no, frog that's not something? No, what will, happen, that. what will happen is, if actually Palmer does take it over, love him or loathe it, he'll run it properly. It I can't think. get any more expensive than it is to do stuff there. So No, I mean, I realise there is a double-edged sword with Jonathan, but he does do things rather better than other people who try to run tracks. No, in my I opinion. I don't disagree with that. Who are I the other bidders? Probably Lawrence Tomlinson. Yes. Okay. Uh, beyond that, I'd be Cutter. guessing. Uh, the whole country. Take you a Land Rover. I thought still. I'd been kicked out. Yes. Are they, aren't they still too busy trying to make tens of thousands of British people redundant or just take their jobs off them and sneak off with their uh, pension fund. 
Or did they do only, that already? That's Tata Steel. 4% people, isn't it? Oh, I doubt it. I'm sure the labyrinthines and the companies it's made it very different. It's the same bloke. Only 54% of uh, BRDC members who voted on the bid uh, supported it. So just just two of the four that voted then. <laughs> I think you'll find it was nine out of the 15. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good arithmetic. Very quickly yeah, there, Mr. Yeah, Greer. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Very off. impressive. I mean, show off. <laughs> I would like to smart bottom. Um, Land Rover aren't going to buy it because they can't be seen to be investing that when they are literally... Um, taking people's livelihoods from them by closing down steelworks that would be perfect, that are in fact perfectly uh, good in terms of business if they were run correctly. What about Lawrence? Uh, how's Lawrence going to do that as an independent? Uh, well, presumably through one of his companies. Yes, yeah, sorry, a but new company. Because he's a BRDC member and he was put in there to run it for a while. Yeah, so you're so talking then, about then, doing then he appointed uh, Patrick Allen. Well, that went wrong, didn't it? Who was previously managing director of uh, LNT. Mm. He did all right. He had a great voice. He did. I'd like to point out, we had, uh, under Patrick Allen's stewardship, there were absolutely no nuclear attacks. Exactly. But I knew what to do. There was one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very good point. I whitewashed my windows yep. very quickly. Yeah. Put all the snakes safe somewhere. <laughs> you know who. He was that free, as well. Free some extra mice. Free some extra mice for food. <laughs> no, they had to be tinned mice. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure that's a very hard purchase. Con- you, used, con- you, used to, mice. you used to be able to buy tinned chocolate-covered ants in uh, Fort Lewis Mason. I'm sure you still can. I've seen those. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is uh, just after half past eight. Uh, series 11, episode 30. Did I say 34? I think I did at the start. I thought you said at the start. <laughs> of course, is it 34? You're just making it up. It nice. may still be right. <laughs> Sorry, going back to that then, is so Lawrence is, is talking about not a management buyout here. He's talking about something completely different. Can, and aren't we only talking about the actual circuit? That was We're the question. about the actual circuit, yes. The, the outside the prob- bits have been sold off, haven't they, to BT, some of was them. it? No, some no, of the grounds the, been. Some of it has been. Uh, the BRDC right. still owns... Quite, quite a lot, lot of land and is still mm. planning to build a hotel um, among other things that's been a plan that's been there for about 120 years the problem with years, the hotel yeah. at Silverstone is it's great for race days but what use is it apart from that because mm. the, 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 the Premier in the Green Man's not full apart from race days would you stay at the Green Man? well yes if no, I only had I, 60 I pounds, 15 miles yes. away <laughs> um, the, the problem of course with all of that is the problem with the Jaguar Land Rover experience which it was going to be is that it was only going to make 17 and a half hours a year available back to the brdc two and a half days for raking racing I, I don't even think it was that much honestly i was i know i was being <laughs> oh sorry i thought you mean i think sorry i didn't realize i thought you had the wrong kind of thing it was it was something like 30 days a year really or, or 60 days a year something like I, it, but as i said is and more the point the responsible adult who is um, by far, out of all of us sitting here, the most sensible, the a the most responsible, <laughs> and b the one who has the most experience of running venues. Uh, <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> having been European, Is she going bu- to buy Silverstone. Oh, that would be good. I'm glad I got the nine six eight in there. That'd be so funny. That would be now. Shall we? Sh- now that's something we could crowdfund. <laughs> the responsible adult <laughs> to buy Silverstone. <laughs> 
I don't think, do I don't think the, the BRDC would be happy with that. None of us are BRDC members might count against our bid. Ask well, Alan to do it. Well, why... We'll have Alan to put up... Why, why does it. it have to be a BRDC member? Surely that is restriction of trade. If it's up for sale, it's up for sale. You can't decide on based on the fact that it's a BRDC member or not. You've got to decide. Surely the BRDC have got to decide having a fiduciary um, responsibility to the rest of the club I'm not on, cons- what is, on what is the best for the club. completely convinced that it's up for sale. But do you like a Land Rover aren't members of the BRDC? They might have some people they know who are members. I think they would sell know it lots if they of members. a good, good, uh, good offer. But I, I think they're also happy to uh, um, not sell it. Have uh, they actually caught up on the amount of members that they're meant to have now by all the things that they've given out and had all the influx of youngsters or does that still scare the whatnots out of the cravat wearing footy duddies of the BRDC? Most of the youngsters aren't full members. Yes. Mm, uh, Eve says, this. can I shut it down? <laughs> <laughs> no. Not entirely sure what she's referring to. Maybe Silverstone, our conversation. maybe something else. I think I she's think talking about our conversation. I think Silverstone. <laughs> uh, right, what should we talk about next? Roman Grosjean. He's had a terrible weekend. That's all I needed you to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> MotoGP calendar is out for next year as we move on to two wheels. Down right. Thailand. No, no slight to keep the story up. No Thailand. No Indonesia. No falling off on snakes. Ah, yes, of course. It's, the same, it's the same calendar, which is Spain, 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 Aston, Spain, 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 Wales. Sano, Spain, Spain, Wales, held in Spain, 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 and Spain. Is that wonderful Spain? Yes. Spain. <laughs> it's quite again. It's still four rounds <laughs> in Spain. Anyway, carry on. Uh. That's MotoGP covered. Uh, World Superbike has uh, started uh, a new season by the sound of it. Started getting interesting. Still the same winner. Well, no, because poor old Johnny Ray, I can say this. Yes, very good. DNF, two races in a row. The last race, the previous round, and the first race of this round. So the lead to (laughs) Tom Sykes got down to about... 22 points like less than a win and then unfortunately or fortunately he won the last very wet race mm-hmm. uh, at oh it was in Germany was it Saxon Ring or was it? no it was Lapsus Ring um, Lapsus Ring he won the last race this and, the the and Sykes fell off and got back on again for like a 13th so um, the lead's back out to 45 points again but he did he had two non-finishes uh, just going back to the uh Silverstone conversation already lots of people saying that they would put money into crowdfunding if the responsible adult could turn it into a racetrack which would be really nice <laughs> <laughs> sorry a well run racetrack sorry I just uh, yeah so I didn't say that then. oh yes <laughs> moving on mm. I, I was there last weekend it was um, cold and wet and miserable I don't think even and the responsible were, adult could used, do anything about the weather and they were using the wrong bit that, that, that I don't that's the, but the BTC circuit is very poor, I think. Do they the still use circuit, that weird really short national circuit? It's like a mile, one point one mile. It just it's like. Well, well, might as well go on the store circuit. The store I mean, circuit has the same problem as the uh, Grand Prix circuit with the wing, in that the paddock isn't big enough. Mm. So it doesn't even have garages, does it? Has it yes. has a control tab? I don't no, it's got garages. That's where they park the school cars. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the school cars park behind again. There's a whole other part of that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so... Uh, and it's longer than a Brands Hatch Indy circuit. The school, but the not as good. 
Oh no, not as good. He's, he's got no elevation changes. No, there's no point in even trying that. No point in attempting it. British Superbikes. Yes. We're at Donington Park. Race for the chase for the cup yes. for the British yes. Superbike thing. And and it was and as expected, it was Shaky Byrne who did some riding. He says desperately typing BSB into the, uh, what, what, <laughs> into why the search was, engine. Why was Shaky Byrne not disqualified? For uh, what? For what? For basically pushing uh, Jason O'Halloran off into the gravel. Uh, because nobody saw it? I saw it. Admittedly, I was only watching on TV and had no direct link to the stewards' room, but I still <laughs> saw it. <laughs> Did you send them a text, though, Tim? No. Just in case. Yeah, well, obviously, Shaky Burn had a very good weekend because he now I, has I a leader 27 points. Oh, yes, that would have been the best way to do it, of course. Yeah. You could have sent a fax copy of a £50 <laughs> note to put in your... Uh, put in my appeal, yeah. Put, put in your... Um, just send, appeal. Ten, just What's send the word I'm looking 10 for? pictures of Winston Churchill. Protest. Thank you. Put in your protest. Um, so, yeah, so Shaky Burn won. Twice, um, yes. Twice, and is now leading. And they're going to Aston in a couple of weeks' time. That well-known British circuit... It is. Yes. is that the circuit of Wales this round? <laughs> it's not. No, it is. It is actually Aston's round. Uh, uh, I didn't see it obviously as my scramble to try and find what the results were. I didn't even know. I, didn't, I even forgotten it was on this weekend. I did. See, I did see World Superbikes, which were great because it was wet. Uh, Leon Hasson fell off and uh, says it was all his own fault. Um, and uh, James Ellison was just slow. Hmm. He's not had the best last couple of rounds. In fairness. Uh, so yeah, they're off to Aston next. Uh, rally news, if you must. Uh, rally GB is uh, in Wales. Safe. <laughs> yes. Oh. Excellent. What at, at first or second, or did they steal third? They are safe. He said, crossing his hands. It's, it's <laughs> not going to be cancelled because of the uh, uh, an organisation called Natural Resource Wales. Are they frackers? They sound like frackers. No, they're. I was going to point out that was jo- that I point out that was John's second baseball reference of the evening as well. I know, I know. Fracking along here. I've been in the states for rather a long time. Mm. Um, and we had obviously baseball player on last week, so player, pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know what? I really don't care. It's on or off. It's just how I feel. Um, no. <sighs> Do you know what slightly annoys, not annoys, frustrates me about it is that I have to look really hard to find when it's on, where it's on, and the weekend that it's happening, because if I'm not careful, it will pass me by, and I will end up, um, I will end up looking at the result going, oh, that was last weekend. Hmm. It's not good. Hmm. Anything else, Tim? Anything exciting? I think that uh, covers all of the Valley news. Uh, Oh, that's a blow. It's a three-year deal, by the way, between uh, the NRW and uh, the MSA. The NRW? Aren't they uh, Natural Resource Wales. It's a rap group, isn't it? Oh, right, okay. Is that what it's called now? Yes. Uh, so let's move on to sports cars. Oh. And with any luck, I should be able to say good evening, uh, reporting from DSCHQ uh, to, to the editor of dailysportscar.com, Graham Goodwin. Hello, Graham. 
Good evening, everybody. I hope you can hear me slightly better. I can hear you at the moment. Uh, I, right. I can hear you very well, Graham. We can. Uh, oh, good stuff. You're, you're just a little bit of break-up coming from uh, you're up in the frozen north, some of you, aren't you? There you go. My north has never been frozen. I can just let you know that now. It were. Uh, it's also 24 degrees here. Yes. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It is uh, a quarter to nine, Series 11, episode 34. Uh, let's Before we get Graham and uh, get him off and running. Um, uh, Steve Maxwell, just back from quarter. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the weekend. Uh, listening from the best coast, uh, which must be the west coast, as El Perry. Uh, weekend filled with some good racing and some tedious racing, says Carol Brink. Uh, Mark Harrison, Singapore F1, so bad. I'd rather spend time helping Paul Truswell plug in his monitors than watch Formula One. Uh, right, John Lover says, I found the F1 race in Singapore very good. Was trying to predict where Sebastian Vettel would end up. Uh, Singapore more boring than Monza, says Udo Canard. Uh, mm, really? Yeah. Uh, Michael Hetherington, talking about uh, your uh, reptiles, how about <laughs> mice cream oh, in your yes, freezer? Yes. Very good. Um, right, John Lover says, Singapore, what I found... Most dis- disconcerting about Mercedes' performance is that uh, come race day, they virtually had no fresh tyres left. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, go wild in the country, uh, being quoted by Nick go Holland. Wild. Where snakes in the grass are wild absolutely free, country. obviously. Alahanna Curry. Oh, very Bow, well, well. Bow, well, well. Who are managed by Malcolm McLaren. Uh, the Sauber owners, by the way, are Longbow Finance. I told you how to do that archery! Go me! Everything you do, <laughs> I do it for you. Uh, I like and I'm terrified by your programme idea, Racer and Americans Got Racer. <laughs> uh, surely would be picked up by Sky Living, says Dave Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, we, did, we did have somebody earlier on as well, and I'll start with this, with Goodis, actually. Let me just scroll back down again. Um, John Mayer, by the way, says, might have to turn spec your team and download the podcast. It's getting painful, biting my tongue and not laughing out loud um, across the office. Yeah, okay, John, be careful. promise to be not funny for the next hour and ten minutes. We've been trying. Well, you've got got, Graham 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 on. on It's fine. It's fine, absolutely. (laughs) I'm just trying to find out. Um, Why do you find that out? Can I play some music? Um, no, hang on, because I've got. It doesn't matter who it was anyway. Said that they were at quarter at the weekend, Graham, and said whilst they weren't sure that the numbers that they saw were real, there were m- much more people than they'd expected there, but most of them were sitting in the shade. But there wasn't seventy-four thousand people there, was there? No, I, d- I doubt there were seventy-four thousand people in Austin that weekend. Never mind at the circuit. I mean, no, seventy-four thousand to be to be blunt, John, is an utterly disgraceful claim. Um, you know, I I think we had fewer people there than for any year, other than the first year with the disastrous uh, Sunday race. Um, I, I if I was being charitable and counting the people I couldn't see in hospitality suites and around the circuit in the uh, little bits of shade that are about twelve to 15,000, but I actually think it was less than 10. What, on race day? Yes. Um, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know, to be honest, because there were there were people in the grandstands. There, was, there certainly wasn't 74,000 there. If they'd said there was the same number of last year, I might have raised an eyebrow. Um, what I will say is that the hospitality units and... You and I were in there on race day morning because we 
well, in fact, I went all the way down the second level and then up to the third level to find uh, Audi for the briefing that we do. They were chocker. They were standing room only. But that's a few thousand. That's not tens of thousands. It's not. I mean, the the, the reality is, I'm sorry, we've had this debate before about Silverstone. Uh, This is, just just to remind anybody, Jonathan, if you're listening, um, anybody thinking of buying a circuit, (laughs) this is exactly how you get into a deep mire. Uh, For point of reference... Look up the Nürburgring. This is one of the reasons they got themselves into massive trouble mm. was by getting into a habit of over-exaggeration. Um, and then, of course, what do you do the next year? You've got to up the number. Mm. Um, it's, it's a ridiculous tactic. Frankly, I, I think it, it's more than ridiculous. I think it's just downright dishonest. Uh, I don't know who they think they're kidding. It certainly wasn't kidding anybody that was there. It certainly can't kid anybody that's responsible for the funding because they don't have access to the accounts. So who are they actually kidding? Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nonsense. Uh, it needs to stop. And it's a shame because, you know what? Much as it was swelteringly hot and almost impossible to work properly, I quite like Cota and I quite like the city of Austin. I love the city. But I don't like that kind of nonsense. Katja Heinz is the uh, new CEO. She is a Bernie appointee, effectively. Um, She's been around Formula One for a very, very long time. Um, I I sort of had a a chat with a few people at the weekend who were vaguely split, split between oh, it's a good idea that they've got somebody in who actually knows something about motorsport because, let's be honest, the management at Quarter, um, since its inception, have been woefully inadequate in terms of actually understanding the needs of motorsport. And, by the way, I know everyone will say, and indeed the management have said over many years, yes, but we do F1 very well. My answer to that is always, but you don't do F1 at all because Bernie parachutes everything in. All you've got to do, frankly, is send the tickets out and control the traffic. And if you look at where all the complaints have been in the last five years, dot, 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 dot. Um, so it's either a great thing that Katya's been brought in and uh, she is going to shake the place up and make it a proper motorsport venue, a multiple sports venue, or, as a few people have said, oh, well, this is Bernie getting ready to buy it. And we've always said the third, or, third owner would get the best deal out of it. It pretty much is the same with all race circuits. Um, and and I, I don't really know which way I, I, I go on that because, frankly, the organisation was no better this year than it's been any other year. Well, the sad thing is, John, it is a fabulous uh, a fabulous uh, facility. It really is. The, the facilities there are capable of absolutely world-class events. But it, but it continues to frustrate, and I think that's the point. It, you know, we just want better. We're not just being professional moaners here. It is far more difficult to work there than it really should be. And and I think that's that's the point. I mean, the team's like going there. Yep. You know, the you fans know, like driving, going there. They do. It just, I don't really know what the solution is is here but let's hope if there is a new manager uh, in place that they can come up with a solution because you know we need fewer excuses not to go to places of that standard two two things that i would say about it before we move on and i know that uh, tim's got some music to play um the um i i'm going to put this out there to our american audience how many times do i get collared by um, our American collectivistas, um, either in person or via the internet, about, you know, we really need LMP1 back in, in IMSA. Guys, that's not going to happen. Nope. It really isn't going to happen. So if you want to go and see LMPs in America, in the USA, 
then really you're going to have to go to where the WEC goes to. And while I, I accept that court is not on everybody's doorstep, Austin's not a bad hub. It's a great city. There are plentiful and relatively reasonable hotel rooms, even in race week. And the race is on a Saturday. So those of you that want to drive and then have to drive back on Sunday, I accept that it might be a long drive. Those of you that want to fly and hire a car, then do so. If you don't support that event, it will go away. That is the start, beginning and end of it. And it w- there's very few places in North America that it could go to. Um, it's more likely to go to Canada um, than it is to stay in North America. There is an outside chance of it going somewhere else in America if the infrastructure is improved and yep. the track is improved. But otherwise, you are going to lose the WEC. And whether or not it's football season, because it doesn't really matter whether 150,000 people from Austin go to the race, what matters is is that the sports car enthusiasts in America go to the race. And I'm sorry if it means that it's not at your racetrack, but you're going to have to put yourself out a little bit to go to it. But if you don't do it and you don't support it, it will go away. It's not about the local audience. It's about the national audience. And you guys have got a... There was there was a huge amount of people from the UK there this year. A huge yep. amount of people. I bumped into a lot of people. I know that the collective are very, very proactive about going to court. And I saw lots of them there. And in the airport. And in the hotels. And in the airport again when I went back. Because Delta, once again, lived up to there. Doesn't even leave the airport moniker. <laughs> and cost me 24 hours of my life that I could have done without. But it's not enough. And it's no good saying, come to Indianapolis and I'll go because I live in Indianapolis. Or come to Road Atlanta and I'll go can, because... Can I, can I, I just say one thing here, John? Can I just want to say one thing? Please listen. If you're living in the USA and you're fans of the WEC, the WEC is not going to Indianapolis. Okay? Mm. It's not exactly. going there. Please put that one to one side. It was a nice thought while it lasted, but it is very clear that uh, that Indy are not no. interested in, in hosting that race. Sorry, but that is the reality. So I have to say, do agree with John. If you want the race in your fine nation, and we love coming to your fine nation, please, please come along. You will be very welcome. No, I- I- indeed. I-, I have to say this year, I saw the least amount of promotion of any year that I've been there. Ironically, having been delayed, 24 hours the first amount of promotion i saw was when i walked into the hilton airport hotel on sunday night after the hotel had finished they had a banner in their um in their foyer which added to my already lovely mood as you can imagine at being messed about by delta um i don't think that the track promoted it very well but ultimately it doesn't take that many people percentage wise to be able to go to quarter who know that it's on. It's never going to be an event for the masses. It's going to be a, an event for us. And it's the uh, f- first thing that I'm really, uh, that I'm interested in is how it will perform next year, Graham, when, it, when it's a split event. Uh, because we'll get, and I've done events in Texas before, funny enough. Um, when, we did IMS, when we did ALMS at the... Dish Network, yes. Uh, when we did IMSA at um, Dallas Motor Speedway, 
we did it at roughly the same time and people keeled over and, and nobody turned up even though it was an evening race and then when we did it the following year we did it in the May and it was so cold we all thought we were going to die so it's going to be interesting moving um, IMSA to the May um, we haven't heard yet from Sherard Navarre whether the deal was done for this for the follow for following season but if it does go there at least that I, I don't like it being two the two events together I know the spectators do but organizationally and logistically it's a mess um, and it makes life very very difficult it makes the circuit inadequacies more uh, more prevalent uh, and noticeable for me in, fa- in fairness though John by the time we get to doing the WEC commentary on the Saturday evening you sound really husky and you know that I quite like that in a man <laughs> smelly cat smelly cat uh, anyway we had actually um, the we if let, let's talk about the world championship first because we had a really really interesting race um, that Audi should have won. Start, beginning, and end. It was Audi's race. Again, again. <coughs> All right. Uh, yes, uh, and and again, Graham, as in Mexico, they had a failure. Yep. Um, which we still haven't got the bottom with. All right, a control odd delete got uh, the eight car moving again, but they had a failure, much as the eight car did with its wheel bearing issue in Mexico. And we had a mistake with Ben Trellier, and it was Ben's mistake. It was nothing to do with Oli Pla. And, and I say that, I don't mean, I'm not having to go up, Ben. It was a very, very minor error of judgment. Nobody's fault, really. It was a tenth of a second. A foot would have made a difference. He'd have been past that uh, 66, uh, the 66 Ford. But Audi had that race in the bag. They made mistakes in the pits. They made mistakes logistically in the pits. Tyres not being ready. Uh, pit stops taking too long. Drinks bottle for Loic Duval not working properly, which meant he had to have a shorter stint, which meant that they had to come in even earlier than their EOT. And I know I had a rant about EOT on the broadcast, which I still find difficult to swallow in terms of diesel versus petrol. Audi made it even more difficult for themselves by not executing everything properly. But that was a race that was gone long before the number one Porsche looked into their last pit stop penultimate pit stop sorry on a full course yellow uh, yeah i agree and you know i think everybody at Audi uh, just came away from that race just absolutely down the dumps i'll offer another kind of view on this one it came from one of my colleagues i think it's a very interesting one no doubt in my mind at the moment right now uh, on the right circuit there is no doubt in my mind the audi r18 is hands down the fastest car in the agree. wc uh, the problem is it's the least serviceable. Now, that's OK is a major issue if there's a failure during a race. Uh, but it's also an issue because it means that once the car has finished, it's running for a day. It needs far more time than the other P1 cars do to prep it for the following day. What that means is the Audi mechanics are finishing work at one, two, three o'clock in the morning. And as you'll appreciate, John, having been there, the, the conditions were such that that must have been utterly exhausting. And once you've got people that are ex- exhausted then mistakes are made so i'm afraid a knock-on effect potentially of them pushing the envelope to get the performance at the expense of audi's legendary serviceability Mm -hmm. uh, superiority may well be uh, a case in point it may well be actually uh, uh, you know a, a, a significant factor in what we've seen out of audi in the last two three four five races yeah and the thing is about that graham is even if that you know, even if that happens during the week, and we've seen it already this year, haven't we, where 
there's been suspension problems or there's been something else, and they lose an hour or an hour and a half worth yep. of practice time because of that lack of serviceability. And frankly, you just can't afford that when you've got three hours of practice time. You cannot, four hours of practice time, excuse me. You can't afford to lose more than a quarter of that because these cars are so technically advanced now. They have to be set up in terms of most everything, ride height, bump, rebound, on the on the sim before you get there. What they're doing at the track is pretty much all getting the drivers comfortable and optimising how the systems talk to each other. There's no time to lose. Absolutely. And, but beyond that, John, you can't afford to lose ground against, let's face it, what is extremely strong competition. Yeah. You know, we're measuring this in, in tenths here and there. And it is, I think Audi do know that that's, a, that's an issue for them. You know, it, it, they've made the choice. They made the choice to, to, uh, to close the performance gap to Porsche, which was evidently there last year. And they've sacrificed some of that precious serviceability. And I think... You know, and I'm sure I get shouted at by various people um, from Audi next time we see them in Fuji if they disagree. But I think that's a significant factor here. Uh, Nicole Redu says, any thoughts to the brain drain that's been happening over the last couple of years at Audi leading to your Audi Sport not being very Audi-like? It's an interesting point, isn't it? They have lost some uh, key personnel um, to Porsche, to Bentley, obviously, with... Uh, Lena going there. Uh, Kyle Woodson Clark went to Porsche before that. Um, Itch uh, went before that. And, and to the green man. Yes. So, so, so he's basically been, been the green man now for, I uh, think, about the last three, four, years. three, four, three yeah. years. Yes. That was a great time. But I think, you know, inevitably. When you've got something that's such a well-honed machine, not just the oily bits, but actually the people that make up that team, when that changes, it's a bit like you know, it's a bit like any sports team. You do have a period where you've got to rebuild. It is not a reflection on any individual within that team. No. What it's a reflection of is you've got to rebuild. It takes time. It, you know, it, it is again. You know, we talk, don't we, a lot about the fact that a racing driver's athletic ability is much underrated out there in the real world. Agreed. Well, actually, the contribution of some of these boys and girls is greatly underrated. These are not just people that wield a wheel gun, um, take off one tire, take off, a, uh, put on another tire, and then go go away and sit down for the rest of the weekend. There's an awful lot going on, and these guys almost have to think for each other. It is, you know, a whole weekend is a choreographed kind of ballet around the various tasks that have to be undertaken. And when we talk about this in free practice, about getting through that job list, it really is that everything needs to be just so and i think perhaps this is where um you know audi uh you know are basically taking a little longer to rebuild than perhaps they'd like to that's graham goodwin editor of dailysportscar.com you're listening to midweek motorsports midweek motorsport and if you thought that hour was packed with insights and comments wait till you hear what's next well be more from graham goodwin obviously because we've only just scratched the surface of quarter there was a, an imsa race there Uh, as well plus plenty of news to come from the sports car world we'll have a bit of british gt news as well with a change in the regulations there for 2017 Uh, plus some good news about bathurst as well Uh, and we'll have more of your tweets at spectatainment and at 
Radio Le Mans. Nick Damon will stay with us and with a bit of luck we might even be able to get a hold of Marshall Pruitt on the left coast as he tells us about a new IndyCar champion and what number he'll be in 2017. All in the second half of tonight's programme on Midweek Motorsports. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com Hello party people, this is Captain Kim speaking. Welcome aboard Benga Airways. After takeoff, we'll pump up the sound system because we're going to... Hang on. Hang on. Hang yes. on. Stop that immediately. Nick's not singing along, is he? No, no. S- no. Stop that. One. I thought we'd go to Barbados. Well, I was just going to say. Oh, I'm going to isn't Barbados. Isn't that a straight list from tripi- typically tropical and going to Barbados? Hang on. This is Captain Tobias Wilcock welcoming you on Airways Flight 3722, Bridgetown, Barbados. Have you not heard this is what they do in modern songs? They just sample them and slightly change them. I'm not happy at all with okay. this. I'm going to Ibiza. Yeah. Is it a Carl Cox reference? We're going to Ibiza. Back to the park and see his girlfriend. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Right, lose that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right, I know why we're playing that. Graham, do you know why we're playing that? Uh, no. <laughs> because... I he was on the uh, pulse of... Uh, yeah, I'm down with the kids, me. Well, no, no, hang on. I'll give, I'll give him a clue. Stefan Wilson is signed up for it. Oh, I know now. Yeah. Graham? Is it, is it an absolutely massive bender? <laughs> That's my mate How Mar- can you call him that? My, my <laughs> mate Martin Hall is setting up in a beat there and we're all moving out there to retire. I know what it is. What is it? It's how Formula E should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's electric GT. Where they have oh, just... What have they done? They have bought a load of Teslas and put a roll cage in them. Yeah. Knock yourself out, boys. I don't believe they've actually bought them. I think uh, Tesla have... Uh, given them to them. I think you're wrong because I think te- um, a- 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 Elon Musk is has got no interest in motorsport at all and it isn't in it isn't interested at all in doing any motorsport so I bet you they have had to buy them. What, what do we know about Electric GT? I'm on, their ma- I'm on their mailing list. Yes, me too. Everybody I bet you is. didn't read the press release that said they were I launching did. Ibiza. No, no, I did. Re- I mentioned At it the marina. I mentioned it, but the point about that was, like, because you were talking to Graham, and I, I know that Graham isn't in, it wouldn't get involved in pointless press releases at any point in his life. It's how many Teslas? <laughs> how many hats? How many Teslas and one marina? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that doesn't seem very Yeah, but it's, it's the 1.8 twin cam. No, twin carb, sorry. Twin car- oh, the fastback. Always in purple, those, weren't they? Or orange. Ah, yes. And they're always or, awful. Or sicky, or sicky green. Sicky, sicky green. Um, this is not going to be around for some time, though, Tim, is it? Let's be honest. It's underway next season. There'll be 10 teams and 20 dro- Ten teams and twenty drivers. Yes. So rather than having two cars per driver, they're they being far, far more traditional. Each and having team two has drivers two cars. All right. Uh, you get a twenty-minute practice, a thirty-minute qualifying, a day race, and a dusk race. Each are 60 you allowed? To, are you allowed to recharge in between those? You probably won't need to on a Tesla. Mm. 
This is absolutely true. You know, I've, I've done electric racing. Mm-hmm. There was a guy who genuinely thought that if he used half-charged batteries, they were lighter. <laughs> and I sat there and tried to explain that wasn't true. And he goes, no, it's only half, only half full. I go, no, it's not how it works. How much does an electron weigh? Well, it's just in a different place. Uh, what tyres... Pirelli. And the tyres. Yeah. Ah, so, so we won't be stopping to change cars halfway <laughs> through the race. We'll be stopping to change tyres. They'll be on the super softs, and now they're in a mess. Where are they going to be racing? Um, Ibiza. I haven't got that on my no, list. <laughs> I love the fact that they're going to that motorsport stronghold of Ibiza to, for their opening, of, for their launch event. If you were going to launch something that's never going to happen with someone else's money, where would you do it? Yeah, but you want if you want journalists to go there and they're having to pay to get themselves there. If you go to launching, it's never going to happen with someone else's money. Where would you go? <laughs> I think John would uh, quite like to go back to that warehouse in Amsterdam. Oh, God. Oh, oh that was the worst day of my life. <laughs> the worst and most pretentious nonsense <laughs> I have ever been to. <coughs> Thanks we must take that out and play that again. Uh, the where would I, I you see? I, I don't think I would go to Ibiza. I think I would leave. I'd I'd want to do it in London or Vegas. Well, no, no, somewhere where you've got half a chance of getting some motoring or motorsport journalists. And as far as I know, the Balearic version of Auto Express isn't isn't that good. Driver selection. If you wish to become an EGT driver team driver, just sign below. Right, get me near him in. Put me near him in. Come on. The Electric GT Drivers Club is a professional, prestigious selection of professional drivers with backgrounds. It's a ridiculous thing. I've got a background. You're a professional driver, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, I've, never it, it, mm, but no, I've never paid. No, I've never paid. All my costs have been paid. It's not quite Brief. the same. Okay, everyone. This is, this, is, this is a challenge for the collective. Right. We know what John's name is. Mm-hmm. We know his email address. Mm-hmm. We know his racing life. Yeah. In 144 characters... We like a brief description of John, which has to go in this thing to, 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 to take part in the... And, and we, will, G- we will put it in. The electric, we, we're going to enter the Electric GT World Club. Vicky Piraia, who is a attractive John. Italian racer with no talent, and Stefan Wilson, who is a you know okay-looking English driver with a lot of talent, are going to be choosing, apparently. Right. Graham? Can we do, can we do pictures of John as well as... Words? Yeah, you've got Not that one characters. from the weekend. So, <laughs> the brief description... Uh, is there for so, so he can become an electric GT world class driver selection and become an electric GT team driver. Uh, and selection. I could be moving towards a new era in the age of light. Ooh. Mm. Uh, uh, what? What? Stop. Can I? Can I be on the what age is, of he- on the age of heavy? What's the, frankly, what is it? What is the age of light? What the, the, this is because they've got lights on the cars. They've got lights on the cars. Well, they've had light. Oh, I don't. Was electric? I think I represent... Can I make a point about this, actually? They're going to the age of light. What was the first substance to bring light to streets? It was gas. So there should be a gas turbine car. That was the age of light. Here, here's the thing. Or fire. Here's the thing. <laughs> in an age of diversity in racing, when everyone's mm-hmm. talking about diversity and positive discrimination, right? <laughs> Fat 53-year-old guys from Sunderland are massively underrepresented in top-line motor racing. Do you know what? I believe there are currently no fat 53-year-olds. Thank you. Yeah. I thank you. There is no racial group. If you open this up to uh, a group from 50 to 55, though, then you would get some... Not from Sunderland. That's true. Well, no, hang on from a second. From the north Joe might enter. Joe might enter. <laughs> and he's quite fat these he, days as well. He hasn't got a licence. 
but I'm sure you could get one. Anyway, so yes, 144... Brief description of John. Uh, if you're trying to sell John to the electric GT... Is there, it's really truth, John. That uh, it's really truth, John. That the uh, the newly elected mayor of Sunderland is <laughs> insisting that that uh, a wall is built between Sunderland and Newcastle, and, <laughs> Newcastle, and that Newcastle will pay for it. <laughs> we've we've got one just north of Newcastle to keep uh, Scots to keep out. the Scots out. Obviously, it's built at the wrong place. Yes, uh, it should have been sort of Jarrow across the south side of the Tyne. <laughs> I always think, but never mind. Um, you haven't if, answered my question about where they're going to race. Uh, they haven't said yet. Yes, they have. There are going to be seven rounds in Europe next season. There's also going to be some non-championship races in the Americas. Okay. Uh, the um, European circuits include the Nürburgring. Right. And the Circuit de Catalunya. Both of which I've driven round before. So they And I know where they are. I've driven to them. So I've got an advantage over most of the guys who would never know where they were. Um, important news: mm. An electron weighs 9.1 times 10 to e to the minus 31. Yes, excellent. Uh, just what I said earlier. So, um, but it doesn't mean you, uh, half charge batteries are fewer than anyway. They're just in different place. But there we are. And <laughs> um, on next week's Open University, so <laughs> we'll, we'll be equally confused. The launch of uh, Electric GT is in Ibiza, and it's next Tuesday. Who's going? Uh, who's paying? I am actually now, due to circuits beyond my control, free next Tuesday, and Wednesday, and the... Anyway, um... <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, because... Ah, because... Uh, you can write this on me thing. I can't, because I'm testing a racing car next Tuesday. I'm thinking that might eliminate you from this this process. Mm-hmm. A global... I I... A global formula racing car next Tuesday. The GRE? No, can't tell you. Formula 4. Can't tell you. <laughs> Can you see John in a Formula 4? No. 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 <laughs> I think that's harsh, fellas. <laughs> You've heard of Power to Wait. You I can, see him, you, on a, can you, see him on a Formula 4. Yeah. You've oh, heard, we pa- seem you've to heard have of Power to Wait. It's John to be Wait to Power. Um. Uh, right, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. It's a quarter past nine. Uh, series 11, episode 34. Graham Goodwin is with us. So uh, we'll keep our eyes on Electric GT. I actually think it's a great idea. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see if they get any corporate sponsors, how they move forward with it, and how they progress it. It's something that, honestly, if I was asked, I would love to be interested in either as a commentator, a driver, or anything, because I think that's a a real... I have got to say that there's a lot of things that leave me scratching my head about Formula E, but you can't deny that it's, it's racing. It, the racing hasn't been bad. And we had a championship that went down to the uh, last race of the season. And there was controversy about how the championship was won. We talked about it on this programme. Um, and I think with a few tweaks in the television package. And um, I, I think Dario um, needs to be listened to more. And somebody who has some idea about what cars do when they go around circuits. And the dynamics that apply to them would be useful to be... Um, alongside him and from what I've heard that may well be happening next year Nick's now found pictures of uh, have you got on the uh, GT co- side they show you how they change a road going Tesla into a into a racing Tesla well do you know what a road going Tesla if you get the one with the um, air suspension has got racing suspension because it's got double wishbone suspension all round it's a really I very just, very I'm sophisticated basically car. taken it, out all it, the infotainment and the seats and stuck in a cage because it's pretty much it, it, it's already the new version is already the fastest acceleration production car in the world in the world <laughs> mm. sorry Graham go ahead I was just going to say is it by the judicious use of stickers 
there is a there is a whole they've got five there are five parts on um youtube of videos and the final one is purely it getting wrapped <laughs> Uh, this from Dave Olcott, experienced GT racing specialist, peerless strategist, unrivaled track knowledge will attract well-heeled, mature demographic. That sounds like you're trying to get me a date <laughs> rather than a drive. <laughs> but Dave, I love it. I like that positivity, man. I love it. So you're now saying that Electric Duty is the Tinder for racing. <laughs> if I knew what Tinder was, yes. I'm going to swipe right. I'm gonna swipe right. Oh, swipe left. Why is that? Because it was a left-hand corner coming up. I've no clue. I, that, if that's one for the youngsters, then fine. I, I like to do that. You know that. Okay. Ask, ask Alex Brundle next time you see him. Uh, he rests his broken Tinder. You've missed the most important part here. I'm terribly sorry. I know this has extended this probably longer than it really should do, but it's in the press release, which I've now found. Right. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, in the waste paper basket. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> the itinerary for the event can be viewed in detail at electricgtco slash EGTBetha. And I've just looked at that. And that says... I never actually clicked on that. In detail, the EGT launch party, we will publish here details of the event shortly. The public event will start at 6pm in the Ibiza Town Marina. It doesn't say what in day, the, though. Hang on. In the, marina. <laughs> yeah. so in the marina? Yeah. In the marina? Yeah. Can I make a point about here? The one thing you don't want to mix with, with, with electricity with is, is, is a marina, really. I'm, I'm beginning to think that it might well be a Morris Marina, I'll be honest with you, because I think that roughly that many journalists are going to turn up. Dear Collective, please build a hybrid Morris Marina. It is That is now an electric marina. Well, it's, that's what it, I know. Should we assign that task to Joe? To Joe, but you know what? He probably knows somebody who's already done it. Um, let's, uh, let's get back to Graham Goodwin, uh, having covered... All things EGT. Should we do um, BGT now? Um, Very but, good. Uh, yes, all right, because we can, we can leave him to, to Marshall when we speak to Marshall. Uh, ju- actually, just a quick final word about uh, about quarter for WEC. Bit of a turnaround in some of the other championships, Graham. Uh, turnaround at the top of uh, the championship. Aston Martin had their second... You know, Aston Martin don't win for a season and then two come together. Um, first with a 97, now with a 95. They take over the championship uh, lead for drivers um, and two on the they, trot. They, for... they, they, they lead all three championships yeah. and they, uh, I think, oh, hang on a minute, I've forgotten. Ferrari may well have taken the lead because Correct. they had Correct. a better uh, in the manufacturers. But um, it's very tight. It's very exciting. The uh, We... And I'm just going to throw this out there. We discussed this during the the race about the conundrum that Porsche and Toyota might have in trying to win the manufacturer's title. If yep. the if the car that is behind in the um, if their car that is behind in the drivers' championship keeps getting the better result, and it seems to keep swapping time over time after time. This could let Toyota in to get a decent result in the drivers' championship, and and that happened again at the weekend. Uh, yeah, it's going to take something of a turnaround or, or continued poor luck, as they've had the last couple of races for the number two Porsche, uh, for that to have, have any chance of happening. Because clearly, I think as we said, John, because there are six point scoring cars, unless you actually get effectively a no point score, you're not losing a lot of ground to the leader. Uh, so it really does require the number two Porsche to have several bad weekends if that's going to be uh, it's going to happen. But certainly, there's every prospect that Toyota could actually uh, finish very well up the order in the drivers' championship. I was expecting something to happen there, but didn't. 
That was Graeme Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCard.com. 20 past nine, and Tim has this. I can hear the mouse clicking. It's very frustrating. Sorry, what do you, what do you expect me to have here? <laughs> I, well, I just you went, said you... you... You were talking to uh, Graeme, so I went to uh, get some more raspberries out of the kitchen. Well, you said you were going to play something when he stopped talking, and he stopped talking, and he didn't. So that, and nothing... that that was uh, sixteen minutes ago. Okay, well I'm only catching up with it now. We have slow internet. Um, <laughs> all right, we'll carry on with Graham then. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, we head uh, off to Fuji next. Some some thought, Graham, having spoken to all the manufacturers of the P1 hybrids um, at quarter, who confirmed that they had kept their Mexico body kits mainly because they didn't want to ship out a whole another set of body kit and spares. Um, some thought that Toyota and possibly Audi might go back to the first kit that they used this season, the in, the, the, the intermediate kit, if you like, not the Le Mans low drag, low downforce kit, not the super high downforce Mexico kit, but the ones that they started the season with, with that might be on show again at Fuji. I, I don't honestly think so. I think, you know, I, I can understand why that would be uh, have some potential. I think you're, you're right. Toyota maybe uh, would consider that, depending on what the data say. I can't see that, uh, that frankly, Audi want to make it any more complex for themselves than it already is at the moment. Uh, but I don't think we'll see that, John. But uh, it has been good to see Toyota show encouraging form in the last... Uh, two races in particular, um, you know, golf club here for Stefan Sarazan, oh. who, who seems to have kind of looked in his talent locker and find found something else he'd not used uh, because he's been epic for the last two races. It's been great to see it. And now this. <laughs> or not, maybe. Uh Okay, uh, let's do some British GT then, Graham. Uh, yep. Uh, changing the regulations for 2017. Well, sl- slightly forced on them, I think. There have been a lot of chatter in the background from teams and from drivers that uh, GT3 and the British GT Championship might be in some bother next year in terms of numbers. Uh, the pressure from other series, uh, obviously Blanc Pan Endurance Series being one, but uh, the European Le Mans Series, the... Um, Richland GT3 Le Mans Cup, uh, which, you know, uh, this is not me making my mind up. These are drivers and teams that are offering the opinion, saying offer better bang for the available buck. And when you've got GT3 cars costing as much as they do to buy and to run, uh, actually track time is extremely important. So mm. they've come up with a raft of, um, of, of changes to the regulations which focus on uh, basically trying to to uh, to re-secure, if you like, uh, the gentleman driver aspects. Uh, they've come up, though, John, with uh, concentration on something I really quite like. And I think this is a concept, we talked about this before, in a different, uh, different kind of championship context. But uh, it's a silver am, as uh, opposed yes. to a silver pro. And as time moves forward, I feel this is a concept that probably we need to be thinking about very seriously elsewhere too. Um, You know, as I had a I had a conversation today, Graham, with somebody involved in the British GT Championship um, in GT3 and GT4, and uh, had a chat about this. And what we basically came to 
the conclusion is that the four-class system is fine for World Championship, European Championship, Regional Championships. However, for National Championship, it doesn't really work. Because ultimately, you count the Platinum drivers out anyway. They're not allowed in for most of those championships. So effectively then, you've only got gold, silver and bronze. And the problem in the past with the British Championship, and let's not forget a couple of three years ago, we had uh, Benji on here, who I thought was sparkling when he came on to explain why they weren't going to let the Nissan GT Academy boys come through, despite the fact that in point of fact, if you graded them on the FIA system, they would have all been bronze drivers, but they weren't going to allow them in because they saw them as quote-unquote career drivers. And this is this is the issue, isn't it, with a national championship where guys are coming through or transferring from other parts of motorsport where they've had an early career. If you look at the criteria on which... Le Mans or the ELMS is decided, there would be bronze or silver drivers. But quite clearly, at the level that we're talking about of national competition, that's not appropriate. It's it's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky because what you want to see is a healthy national scene. But while that's happening, and, and at the moment it's struggling, you've got just a heck of a lot of other choice. Now, that does mean that, of course... If you're sensible and if you've got the time available, you're going to go and find where you think you're either going to get the most time in the car or the better level of competition. And it's fair to say that certainly um, there's a few alarm bells been ringing towards the end of this season with two factors. Number one is the burgeoning you know, a GT3 scene, and I don't mean that in terms of just the numbers of cars that are running, but the number of places you can run them. Uh, and the second factor, and it's becoming a major factor, is LMP3. And the reason LMP3 is a major factor is because the car as a whole, if you look at, uh, for instance, the uh, the most popular of the GT3 cars out there, which is the Ferrari, the new Ferrari is three times the cost yeah. of a GT3 car, uh, of an, of an LMP3 car. Um, and the, whilst the, at the moment there isn't the level of choice as to places you can race a P3 car, it's beginning to pick up. Mm. There is a British Championship, which will see a preview race at Snetterton in the second weekend of October. I think they're going to have somewhere, somewhere into double figures for P3 and CN cars for that preview race. Feeder V, there's, there's several uh, championships on the con- uh, on continental Europe where you can race those cars, plus the LMS, plus the Asian Le Mans series. We shouldn't forget their very excellent uh, count for the full season entry 31 cars for the 2016 yes. 17 series outstanding the majority uh, but, of which are GT, uh, LMP3 cars of course uh, about 10 of them are LMP3s 4 P2s and a very good GT entry very varied very high quality Graham you talk about that um, the numbers you're talking for a British GT championship over um, and they've fiddled around with the, the rounds a couple of times in the last few years but it's, I mean, it's a reasonably sized championship. It's a good, it's a good uh, mix of shorter and longer races now. So two drivers for a GT3 car, 175,000 apiece. 
Uh, yes, for the and, and, and for a one-hour race, a gentleman driver who, let's face it, is probably paying all of that, is probably getting 23 minutes. Right. Well, if he's if he's playing all of the car, then he's paying 350 grand a year. So well, a, a car is 350 grand a year. If you split that between two drivers, it's 175 grand a year, a GT3 car. A GT4 car is about 110 to 120,000 a person. So that's a big difference. That is a very, very big difference for a car that in pace terms is not that far off where a GT3 was a few years ago. Okay, it's not going to hold a candle to a GT3 now, but in terms of bang for your buck, it's not bad. No, I think, you know, British GT has been an absolute cornerstone of what we've done with Delhi Sports Car over the, the last, you know, 15, 16 years. And we want this to succeed i like the fact that they've taken two steps away from it mm-hmm. that they've tried to think about what might attract back that audience but i i'm beginning to struggle with the concept of the kind of money uh, that is being required to race a modern gt3 car in a national championship the other part that comes into play here is and this has come directly from drivers it's not my opinion this is what the drivers in that championship are saying is that very many of them believe and this is professional drivers as well as um as uh, gentlemen drivers is that those cars are now becoming too fast for some of the circuits that yeah. they're, they're, they're racing on and if we're getting to the stage where to be blunt uh, you're worried about hurting your car or yourself, uh, then actually that's not a great place to be. I think that does start now need to be thought about. You cannot, in that marketplace, when you are dealing with a, a for the most part, pro-am product, you cannot have development at the pace. You can't sustain the development at the pace at which we've currently got it. They are so much faster everywhere than they, they, they were two years, four years, five years, ten years ago, um, it needs to be thought about because um, at the moment, riding the crest of a wave, but, you know, I don't want to see this crash. It's no. too good. There are too many uh, too many great cars, great teams, great drivers that depend on GT racing uh, now for their livelihood and for their enjoyment. And I think we... It's a, it's a good effort here, I think, by British GT to take a look at what the problem is and what the solution might be. But the bigger question is, what's the medium-term plan for GT3? Because it surely can't be that they continue to get faster and faster and faster at the pace we've seen over the last decade. Um, a couple of other headlines. Uh, Bathurst 2017, already more than 50 entries. Remarkable. Uh, yeah, and again, this is a uh, well, case in point, isn't it? There's another place that you can go and race a GT3 car, and uh, there's a fair number of people and teams now that see that business model, John, as being, you know, effectively putting your GT3 cars in a container and shipping them around the world and cherry-picking events. It's a great way to go racing. Bathurst, don't get me started. Fabulous place for a race. Uh, GT3 cars, as quick as anything ever has been around there and quicker than just about anything else. Um, you know, you and I have had the privilege to watch uh, the the last two together from a um, from a TV booth. Is it three now you've done, John? Uh, four. How many have you done? I've done two. I think I've done one. Two. I think I've done four now. Yeah, but, you know, it's a great stage for those cars. Um, they are, I think, at the at the very edge of being raceable there in in real terms and in safe terms. And again, to be honest with you, case in point, get those cars get very much quicker, and you know, 
Bathurst becomes a less appropriate place for them to go. But that, but that doesn't get away from the fact what you've got, I think, is going to be one of the most high quality and varied entries they've ever had for the 12 hour. Uh, Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscard.com. Uh, we'll have this fella on next. Good evening, Marshall. Good evening, Marshall. Hey. Uh, linked up with uh, racist Marshall Prude. But before then, we'll say goodnight to Graham. And Tim night, has Graham. a couple of tweets. Uh, what do you uh, want to put up? says, is the British Rally Championship still going? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I think they have one round left, but it has already been decided. Um, I think he meant, is it still actually... Uh, does it still live on in the way that the British Formula 3 Championship doesn't? British Formula 3 is uh, back this year. Next and, year? Uh, no, this year. Is we, it? we have a champion. He was crowned at Donington Park about two weeks ago. Sorry, missed that. Sorry, uh, guys. Okay. Yeah, okay, sorry. Um, I can't remember who it is now. But, uh, <laughs> right, now you're showing... Oh, yeah, well, that just, yeah. And you're our single-seater representative. Yeah, but I never liked Formula 3. I always Point. found oh. its power-to-grip ratio oh. completely pointless. He had to add, oh. add three zeros. Oh, somebody had a misplay there. He had to add three zeros to Formula 3 for Tim to be interested. Correct. Yeah, you, you talked about Formula 3000 then. Calm down. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> just to prove we are live. Yeah, uh, how are Gillingham doing? Sunderland um, no, uh, are uh, winning. Oh. All right. We then. are in a dream world. 2-1. Uh, Southampton <laughs> are winning 2-0. That's what, your club, what's the Gillingham score? 5-0. Uh, oh, it's not really? Yes. We're losing 5-0? Yes. And oh. you kicked off uh, 20 minutes after everyone else as well. Uh, and uh, oh, aren't, no. aren't Man U at uh, Northampton tonight? Yes, they are. And? Uh, that's 3-1. Oh, Is for it? goodness sake, we are losing 5-0. Okay. <sighs> Uh, let's go to Marshall Pro. And before we go to no, Marshall... No, I'll sit here in the corner and listen to you guys talk about stuff I'm clueless about. Go ahead. <laughs> it's soccer, Marshall. Soccer. Uh, yes, well, I heard I heard you say that Sunderland was doing well, so I know that's a treat. Or rare <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Even all my American <laughs> friends who know nothing about the round ball game know that my team has been particularly pants at the moment. Sorry. Go on then, Tim. What do you need? Quickly. Uh, I was going to say, uh, Shay Adam uh, has been complaining on Twitter that we're making her laugh too much, and laughter is painful because it makes her cough. Um, uh, she's not been very well, Shay. I hope you're feeling it better. It sounds soon. like pleurisy. Oh, don't. I'm sure right. it's not. It's probably something trivial like pneumonia or something like that. She, she, uh, she's, she's now complaining of hiccups. She lives well. Pregnancy, that is. That would be a shock. <laughs> See how Particularly well, no, for her. It, <laughs> uh, moving right along here before the uh, writ comes in uh, MP, welcome to the show let's talk IndyCar first of all uh, congratulations to uh, the man who was uh, a couple of seasons ago was taking a drive anywhere he could doing a bit of sports cars doing a bit of IndyCar Simon Pagino won the IndyCar championship at Sonoma at the weekend with a decent performance there as well but it's been a good season for him he has. Congratulations to the 2010 American Le Mans Series LMP champion. Mm. This is the first time I can recall, at least in many, at least while I've been alive, where a sports car champion uh, went on to win his first IndyCar championship. Uh, it's often the other way around. Correct. Now I'm not saying back in the day of the Gurneys and Andretti's and Unser's that they didn't move around maybe win a championship in uh, sports cars and then add one in any cars but at least in recent times it's usually the other way around 
guys win their open wheel championships, move off to sports cars and add a few. So interesting. I think I've heard from more folks on the sports car side, Heine, yes. who followed Simon for many years in the ALMS or wherever else. He was super so- sub, wasn't he, for such a long time. Exactly. He was in and out of teams. Exactly. Just pleased to see, uh, I guess you could almost say, one of our own. Mm. Someone who had toiled away in sports cars for many years after his one season in Champ Car did not lead to a a call-up to continue when the IndyCar Series and Champ Car merged, uh, also known as IndyCar Bot Champ Car, uh, at the beginning of 2008. (laughs) So just nice to see someone who was relegated to... uh, you know, something below America's top tier category, uh, go away, improve himself, come back and reach the lofty status of not only IndyCar champion, but a guy who just plain and simply beat everyone. He didn't luck into anything. This wasn't because someone else had a, a bad year. He went out and dominated at the final race mm. last weekend where he uh, only he and teammate Will Power from Team Penske were uh, mathematically eligible for the championship. Simon had a handy lead, lots of points on offer. He could have cruised. What did he do? Went out, Won it from ripped the, the pole position oh. away, and drove off. I mean, just Excellent. left everybody in the distance. So no question, statement-making uh, performance. It was his when he went in, and he left with it in hand. Big million-dollar check and uh, an off-season and another year of uh, being called the champ. And... First of all, he I, I love the fact that he's decided to take number one next year because so much in American racing people hold on to their race numbers, but number one is is normally held for the for the champion. And he's, has he, he has he confirmed now he's going to take number one of the car next year? Yes, he is. And Good keep for in him. mind that uh, when he was driving for Sam Schmidt, uh, he had car number seventy seven. <laughs> when he moved to Penske, it was twenty. It became 22. Uh, I'm forgetting what his number was at Highcroft, uh, or even before that at DeFerrin. But he's not someone who you know you can say he's not a, a Villeneuve-esque guy who yeah. uh, we associate with one number or Senna as well. But yeah, look, the guy goes out and wins. Slap whatever number you want on the car. Doesn't really matter. The fact that he's taking number one, I appreciate that. Like you, Heindy. Look, you got it. It's your first. In, Agreed. Uh, in this series. Hey, mate, flaunt it. Damn right, show it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, A popular winner, though, uh, Marshall, you know, there's a lot of big egos, there's a lot of big, uh, a lot of big drivers in in IndyCar. Simon probably wasn't one um, uh, of the massive favourites at the start of the year. You and I talked about him in our IndyCar preview that, you know, he certainly had a chance, but, you know, he's not, to the great American public, even perhaps to the American motor racing public, he's a guy who's done a bit of sports car racing in one series of Champ Car. He's not an Andretti. He's not even a Graham Rahal. Um, he's, you know, he's not one of those big names that people would go directly to. And yet, it seems to have been a popular win. Talent being rewarded, Hindy, yeah, and perseverance. Great. In a uh, kind of more of a personal reflection and opinion piece that'll be out tomorrow on Racer. I've always appreciated Simon, and he and I have had a a pretty close relationship for quite a while, and I think that's because I've always appreciated his, the throwback uh, approach that he brings to what he does. I mean, if you think about it, Hindy, this is someone who ticks every box of what I think a modern racing fan would appreciate, IndyCars, sports cars and prototypes, sports cars and GTs, tin tops, rallying, 
uh, Hill Climb. Uh, he's done the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill in a little, you know, nine-horsepower Honda Fit or whatever it was. If you give him a steering wheel and half a chance, he will show up and just absolutely enjoy the heck out of it. And, yes, we know that there are some other drivers that will uh, happily jump into a sports car on rare occasion or do a little bit of the all-rounder routine. Simon's one of those guys who truly lives to drive and I think would absolutely fit back in the romantic 50s and 60s mm-hmm. where our heroes jumped from Can-Am car to Trans Am to NASCAR, Formula One, whatever it was. Um, he's definitely fits that model. And when you, I mean, how's this? We just, you know, had it confirmed again today. Maybe not a surprise, but where's the brand new IndyCar champ going to be? Not this weekend, but the following. He'll be at Road Atlanta yep. driving a Corvette DP. Why? Because he loves it, because he yep. can. Uh, so to me, the spirit of Simon Pagano, I think, is what might resonate with folks who, to your point, not an Unser, not an Andretti. His last name doesn't carry the kind of mm-hmm. cachet that others do, but this guy's a, a racer at heart. And in theory, that's uh, what we all aspire to be. Uh, and I, I'm so, so happy for him. I really am. When you say it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke, there's plenty of nice blokes in our sport who don't uh, always get the results that they deserve. And SP is certainly among them. And uh, fantastic. I was so pleased uh, when I saw that result. Watched a bit of the race today on uh, replay. And man, he bossed a decent run from Graham Rahal again but really that was everybody else was an also ran in the story and I just thought it was lovely the way he 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 took it on the last race the way um the way he did um and hopefully um he'll get a decent result at, at Petit Le Mans as well and do you know what he'll throw himself just as just as heavily and just as professionally and put just as much into that as he would have if he'd needed to win Sonoma to have any chance of winning the championship, won't he? And that's what I like about him. And and we don't want to jinx him, but keep in mind he just withstood all the pressure to earn his first IndyCar championship, and now he'll uh, strap into the number 31 Action Express mm-hmm. Racing Corvette DP, championship leaders in prototype. Correct. Uh, now, granted, while the team's won championships, just as Team Penske has his IndyCar team, uh, he certainly would be seems to be a perfect candidate to withstand whatever pressure there might be to help Dane Cameron and Eric Curran win their first uh, championship in IMSA. So, uh, again, but you look at not only, and I know we're kind of bridging IndyCar and IMSA a little bit, but if you look at the IndyCar season that just ended and the IMSA finale that's coming up here, Heidi, we are going to have another wonderful uh, inclusion of the Paginos, the Ryan Hunter Rays, just there's going to be quite a few IndyCar drivers coming in to uh, play for the season finale. So for me, it's just uh, really one of those, a lot, frankly, like a lot like how it started off at the Rolex 24th Daytona All-Star event. You know, all the stars and heroes come Love out, it. and I think fitting way for us to uh, close the season at Road Atlanta. And if we can just have a dance competition on uh, Saturday night, that would be everything, everything that we need. Yeah. Uh, Imza heads towards that off the back of quarter. And I thought another sparkling weekend for IMSA, for the Continental Tyres. We had both the Lamborghini and the Porsche Series in support. And Porsche doing a, a race into, I was going to say in the twilight, into the full dark on Friday night with the the GT3 Cup Challenge by Yokohama. I thought that was a great, great event. Um, excitement ramping up towards the end of the season. Uh, all the championships still pretty much uh, up for grabs and an interesting time because we're starting to see things coming together 
Um, ESM confirming the long-held belief that they would be back in uh, IMSA for 2017. Uh, we know that they're going to have new sponsors on their WEC car, or one of their cars for the, the rest of the season. We presume that that is being wet, that uh, um, that program has been wound down to concentrate on a, a DPI program, which is an interesting one because this is sort of not, I don't think, what IMSA expected from manufacturer interest because this is not a, a Nissan Works program as the as we presume the Cadillac and the Mazda one will be, but it's sort of a half and half privateer work supported type deal it would seem to me and i love the realization of that hindy mm. because as, as I'm not, seen, no, no i'm not complaining i just think i don't oh, no, think no, no. It, i don't think it quite fits the model that everybody was expecting i don't think imza will be disappointed about it i just think it shows to coin an old phrase there's more than one way to skin a rabbit well and that's what i love about it is i think we had been we i guess myself and a few of us had been of the mindset that there were two options uh, you get a DPI, full manufacturer DPI, or you buy a spec WEC P2 car with a Gibson P8, Correct. one or the other. Uh, the concept of that middle option, which reminds me a bit of... It's the ben third Keating. way. It's the third way, you see. Well, it, it reminds me a bit of uh, Ben Keating and what he's done with uh, the, his Viper this year and what uh, has happened there, where the manufacturer has not expressed an interest in doing the full IMSA agreement, mm. uh, but the team has an interest in doing something. So working with the series, they've come up with something kind of in the middle that uh, maybe is not a full-fledged manufacturer, deep dive, etc., etc. But uh, it allows the team to use what they want. It does land a, another name, another badge that the series can help promote. And uh, you would have to say that it benefits everybody involved. I like this. I hope yeah. that this becomes more of, an, more of a reality. I know of one other manufacturer, which I won't put a name on it right now, but I know of one other manufacturer that has expressed an interest in providing engines, yeah. has an expressed an, uh, an interest in doing a body. Uh, but what if a team like an ESM said, hey, manufacturer, how could we work together? Maybe we could commission that body yeah. and pave it and cover that. What, what options exist? If you don't have to rely 100% on a manufacturer to make a DPI happen, Heidi, and it can be done in an affordable fashion, I love the idea of that workaround, and it sounds like ESM's blazing that trail. What happens then in terms of championship points? Because quite clearly to me, Nissan aren't going to fork out the half a million, million, I don't know what the number is, to register uh, as a manufacturer for points. So how's that going to work during the season? What do we call the car? Do we call it just an ESM? Do we call it an ESM Nissan? Um, it's not going to get championship points for, for the manufacturer because they simply aren't going to put that money in, are they? Uh, who knows? I, I wouldn't count that out. I, I've heard some rumours and rumblings that Nissan could actually... Oh, wow. Uh, dive in for that manufacturer agreement again you know it's not as if i have the contract sitting in front of me hindy with uh you know everyone but that wasn't mentioned was it in the press release it was it was sort of not fudged that would be unfair but it was it was noticeable by its absence shall i say that's a very polite way of putting it yeah that the the first press release we saw 
left more questions than answers, or probably, <laughs> let's just say that if uh, it could have been written by someone else, it probably would have been a lot more useful. I think the release that came out from uh, from Lee and Onrope this morning actually was very revealing and answered, I think, just about, or almost every question one might have had, uh, and went, went into great specifics that weren't there uh, in the original ones. So, yeah, uh, if you, you know, Relying on press releases for information is sometimes a bit of a, a tricky thing, but I think there's a lot more to come. There are some other aspects to this program that could develop. Uh, spoke with Ed Brown on Thursday about this program, uh, and he said that there could be another element to be announced, and uh, it, that was not included in anything that we've seen either from the team or from uh, the OnRogue folks. So. If that means it fell through, not sure. Uh, if that could mean that it's still coming, also a possibility, something to chase. So uh, here's what we know. A valuable team that will greatly enrich the series and the class uh, are coming back. I'm glad that they are. IMSA needs it, truly needs those numbers, mm-hmm. because for some of what we're hearing about a couple of the other potential 2017 prototype entries, Ben Keating, for example, has been, you know, has had a lot of fun in telling people his... He, he's ready to confirm the lack of confirmation of his plans. Uh, we Could we see the P2 he's going to have appear at the 24 Hours of Le Mans only? Uh, it's one of the things that made the uh, rounds at Coda last weekend. So we know that we've been hoping to see that, that uh, we would have Ben's car in IMSA uh, for lots of races, if not the whole season, but don't know if that will happen. Peter Barron uh, spoke with him, said he hasn't had anyone bite on a program yet. We've heard that, you know, is that car actually arriving? We hope that it does, but I'm just getting at the point that we want to see factory DPIs and privateers and this kind of middle option that we've come across with, with ESM and Nissan. We want to see all these things so that IMSA can kick off its new formula in 2017 with health and vitality on the grid. But if you start to look at that Keating car maybe not being around much, not sure if the Baron thing's going to happen. Hey, two factory cars or factory-related cars from ESM, that could be a bit of a game-changer in terms of public perception. So last thing to mention on this, Heidi, with Cadillac coming in, Mazda coming in, and this Nissan ESM program, all of a sudden we have, in theory, three uh, DPIs at Daytona. I think that actually sends a very good message to any other manufacturers that have been on the fence, yeah. wanting to see what it looks like, uh, which should lead to nothing but positivity for IMSA towards the end of next season into 2018. The uh, three different manufacturers, yes, not just three DPIs, uh, at least a couple of cars each from those and probably more from uh, from Cadillac. What's interesting to me about this announcement is the use of a GT3 engine. Um, it's the V6 that's in the uh, Nismo GTR. Uh, it's a proven unit. It's a unit that is relatively easy for people to get their hands on. Does this then open the door to what we've been seeing for a while, Marshall, and seeing basically to any manufacturer who's got a GT3 car with a decent engine, <coughs> Mercedes-Benz, um, come on and play. Um, it costs about seven to $800,000 to win tunnel test and develop a set of bodywork, which is not a huge amount of money. Um, you don't have to commit a lot of money, but we'd like to put your badge in our car because we'd like to use your engine. Because let's not forget, that car, the ESM, can't have the Nissan engine unless it has a bespoke body kit. It can't just throw that into the standard LMP2 car. So there's got to be a Nissan-alike 
body kit that takes some styling cues from a road car. But I, I like the idea of using the GT3, and surely that opens doors up to other people. It should. The other thing that I think would be a great facilitator, Hindy, is you know, there while there aren't many that are ready to produce bodywork on demand for a manufacturer uh, to get something to get a GT3 engine into the uh, DPI field, I think that would not be a bad thing for IMSA to maybe further develop. Hey, here's go talk to Crawford, go talk to Delara, go talk to Pratt Miller. Who met mm. again? I'm just throwing out random names, mm. but. If the stumbling block is the bodywork for some, whether the expense, the expertise, or both being some, you know, prohibiting their entering this uh, series, but they do have an engine, like you said, uh, a Mercedes or whomever else. Good Lord, seems to me that if we're just talking about the equivalent of using Craigslist or Angie's List or someone to find uh, the right service provider, uh, make those introductions if they aren't already doing that. I'm yes. not saying it. They could be, so I don't mean to say that they aren't doing something they should, but if this is just a matter of relationships and expertise and mating interest with someone who can get something onto the grid to comply with that mandatory bodywork requirement, uh, that doesn't seem like much of a stumbling block to me. Is there anything, Marshall, and, and this hadn't really occurred to me before we started finding out about this project uh, a little while ago, about a month or so ago, Um is there anything to stop our fictitious Pruitt Hindoff Racing Company taking a Bentley GT3 engine, going to one of the many artisanal companies that are a stone's throw from where I'm standing now, saying, build me uh, a Bentley-alike body that'll fit on a on-rogue chassis or a Delara chassis or whatever, and doing it and putting that into... Um, into competition the manufacturer doesn't have to be involved and there's no there's nothing that i can see that the in the regs that say that anybody has to actually pay the large sanction fee that imsa want for you to to be able to garner manufacturer points you and i could go in with a car with a bentley gt3 engine that looks like a bentley gt3 um and doesn't actually score any points for bentley but we wouldn't mind that if we were winning everything well, the winning part would be fun. Uh, how's this? Whether it is written in stone or not, uh, I have it on very good authority that uh, IMSA is only going to allow true manufacturer-affiliated, manufacturer-paid-for, uh, manufacturer-points-gathering DPI entry. So that would indeed stop you and I from uh, coming up with the uh, Hindley or whatever we would call the uh, Bentley <laughs> offshoot. Um, that would indeed stop us from doing that. Now, but again, would that stop us from trying to talk to our friends at Bentley and saying, hey guys, so Brian, uh, what if we were to do something and would you shoot it down or allow us to co-opt your name? Now, granted, with the Bentley, with the, with that kind of name, I'm sure they would say no. But could we go to a, a Hyundai or Kia or someone uh, that isn't known you know, for its, well, uh, that we, does not have the same lineage? Maybe. Well, we've got a situation in GT3 where we've got a Callaway GT3 Corvette that isn't strictly speaking um it hasn't been blessed by the factory it's been allowed to continue under certain circumstances one of which is it's not sold or run in the states which is something that actually nobody can um nobody can actually guarantee because if i went and bought one and ran it for 
half a season in uh, in Blancpain and then decided I want to go and do Daytona or Sebring. There's nothing to stop me doing that. And there's nothing that I can see in the regulations, having now had a look at them, that says that um, it has to be uh, blessed by the OEM. But you're saying that IMSA wouldn't allow it if the OEM wasn't behind it. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's there's ultimately someone that is going to be standing at the head of pit lane at Daytona, allowing <laughs> your car to roll on to uh, onto the grid or not. And uh, rule book or no rule book, uh, I'm fairly confident in saying that uh, our little offshoot work around gaming the system, uh, Pruitt, Hindoff, Bentley, wannabe knockoff DPI. Uh, that would probably be sitting out in the car park um, well, as we sold uh, $1 autographs. So, yeah, I don't don't think that would be happening. I, but again, could it happen if needed? If they needed the numbers, would they allow that kind of creativity? I mean, look, man, I'll just be, let's be really, really basic with this. Sports car racing is supposed to be about creativity, mm. cool ideas, different ideas, fitting things into sharply defined boxes. At least for me, maybe it's because I grew up in the 70s and 80s where boxes were had lots of holes and porous and were not uh, really truly much of a concern. Um, you know, complying with 8,000 pages of rules to put a sports car on track. That isn't why most of us get into the sport, either from a uh, job standpoint or just from following it as a fan. So I know that's a little bit of a soapbox rant that means nothing. But if there's the ability for folks to do something that's quasi works, that maybe at least isn't shot down by a factory if we're you know, slapping a badge on something. Um, I like the idea of it. I want creativity. I want diversity. Knowing that we're going to have three DPI manufacturers on the grid in January, that's great news, but wouldn't you and I rather be talking about 10, 15? Um, and why aren't we talking about 10 or 15? Uh, some of the, you know, maybe more philosophical questions to pose about why we do what we do and if it uh, fits the human spirit. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're rounding up the evening with Marshall Pruitt from uh, from Racer dot com. Again, I I thought it was a sparkling weekend. A couple of championships that are pretty much wrapped up. Is that the have guys... you uh, have you fully rehydrated yet? That's the other question too. Honestly, it was pretty easy for me. I I just had to run between two different. Uh, booths. Uh, congratulations to Multimatic, to Scott Maxwell uh, and to Billy Johnson and the team. Basically, they have to start the race at Road Atlanta in Continental Tires to be confirmed champions. It is pretty much the same, I think, for Christina Nielsen and Alessandro Balsan in GT Daytona after a sparkling result at the uh, weekend from them. And uh, when do you get into Atlanta? When do we see you next week? I'll be flying out Wednesday, Hindy, so I'll be there first thing Thursday. Looking forward to it. Saw my man Townsend Bell last weekend. Asked if uh, they're going to be throwing in our, our mutual friend Bill Swedler in the uh, Scuderia Corsa car for one lap, just as kind of a one-year honorarium <laughs> of winning last year's title. He had a big laugh and said, we're talking about it, we're talking about it. But, yeah, I can't wait. And uh, I, I know last year, I think my shoes have finally dried out from last year's Petit Le Mans, but 
coming off of the uh, scorching heat and humidity of Coda, I actually wouldn't mind some rain there, Heidi. So I know I shouldn't say that, but uh, yeah, I can't wait. Should be fun. And then the following weekend, brother, we have the Pirelli World Challenge finale at Monterey. So uh, we're going to have all three of the major kind of road racing North American championships that we uh, we follow the most wrapping up in a matter of weeks. So good times ahead. See you next week, Marshall. Thanks for joining us. Marshall Pruitt, uh, live on Midweek Motorsport this week uh, from racer.com. Thanks, MP. And uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll hear from Marshall next week. Uh, that's just about it for tonight, Tim. It is indeed. So, uh, good night. <laughs> uh, just a little bit short of the two hours. Thank you to all. No, we're all. not. We're over. Uh, I thought you started late. We started uh, three minutes after, so we're... Just on the nose here. Thanks to Nick, to Tim, and to MP. Tim Gray was our uh, our uh, producer up in executive producer up in London, and the uh, the birthday uh, celebrating responsible adult. It's birth week actually because she hasn't had a day off yet, so I'm not sure when the birthday will actually be. Uh, if you and Shay Adam, get well soon. Get uh, well, Shay. We'll all reconvene next we'll, week we'll, when we'll, we'll have a. We'll, we'll go at the scan, won't we, as a team? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's a special show next week from Road Atlanta. Keep an eye on the time. We may have to change it. John, I've got some advice for you. Which Make is? sure no one turns the whole thing off. Oh yes. <laughs> What's this for? <laughs> Me and Derek Daly have something in common. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, we may have to change the time depending on what's on track, so keep an eye on RadioLamont.com and uh, and I'll let you know how the test went on Tuesday. That's it for now. There's no time to explain. Uh, it's time to get in the llama. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.